For readings today, we will first look at Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 74, just one. I've preached on other things, but I think it would be a good chance for a reminder of why we do what we do and to be able to explain that to others. Question 74. My version might be slightly different. It's a little bit older than yours, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow. Question 74 says, should infants too be baptized? The answer, yes. Infants as well as adults are in God's covenant and are his people. They, no less than adults, are promised the forgiveness of sin through, the, through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who produces faith. Therefore, by baptism, the mark of the covenant, infants should be received into Christ's church and should be distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. And then uh, two verses from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verses 14 and 15. This is the Lord Jesus taking the children, blessing them. Verse 14. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed from there. That is the word of the Lord. May God bless it to our hearts today. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, baptism is a sensible sign that points you to the work of the Savior on the cross. Both sacraments point to the cross. So it helps you to remember the cross, and that's why it's a sign. But baptism, like the Lord's Supper, is more. It's also a seal that God implants on your soul, assuring you that your sins are washed away. And that's why it is a means of grace. It leaves that impression on you and changes the way you love God and how you live for him. Also learn in our catechism that baptism must not be underestimated as it is often tied to salvation. And yet it also teaches us that baptism must not be overestimated as if one were saved by baptism. That's the first part. But we come to this one teaching that is quite unique. And that question is, should your children be baptized? Now if you remember here, you'd probably say, of course they should be. But the challenge is not saying, yes, we believe that. It's to be able to show from the scriptures that you believe that. And that's what we want to consider today. You know, it, it's one thing to say, that's what we've always done. Or in the old Dutch way, that's what we did in the old country. But that doesn't, that's not sufficient. You have to be able to say to anyone who challenges you or asks you why we do what we do. That knowledge must be clear and uh, understandable. So I'm going to give you three points of why we must baptize our children today. And those are your headings you'll notice in your sermon notes. Believers' children are included in the covenant. Second, believers' children are given the sign of the covenant. And then believers' children are distinguished from non-believers' children. Our goals are that you will know why your children are to be baptized, that you will praise God for the mark of your children on your children, and that you will then begin the hard part of fulfilling your responsibility by teaching your children to embrace God's promises 
that were given to them in their baptism. First point, believers' children are included in the covenant. Now, God promised salvation to covenant children based on their parents' faith, and he incorporated them into the body of Christ. Look at the proof of this from the scriptures, the Old and the New Testament. First of all, God directed Abraham to include his children in his covenant. God himself incorporated them into the covenant and raised their awareness of his promises. Most popular passage to show that is Genesis chapter 17 verse 7 and 9. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout your generations. You see here, God instructed Abraham to teach his children. It was not the mere act of circumcision that was the covenant. That's what the Muslim friends like to argue. But circumcision just marked the covenant. It's all the things that were attached that were the foundation of the covenant, the instruction in the covenant. Abraham had to speak about Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus wasn't born yet. Well, the Bible says Abraham knew very well about Jesus. Jesus said Abraham knew about him. You can read about that in Romans 4 and Hebrews 11, but more specifically in John chapter 8. The Lord Jesus said, Abraham looked forward for my day and rejoiced. So he was instructing his children of the covenant because his children were part of the covenant. But then we had the great covenant keeper himself, the Lord Jesus. He showed the children were incorporated into the covenant when he put his hands on them and he blessed them. It's kind of interesting that this passage is repeated three times in the scriptures. It's like the Lord is saying, don't miss this. I am marking these children as mine. And in fact, he rebuked those who were trying to chase the children away. He would not tolerate any mistreatment of his little ones, especially from his own disciples. Matthew 19, 14, we just read. But Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Let me tell you this, the Lord doesn't bless pagans. These were his covenant children. But it didn't end there. After the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Peter, quoting the Old Testament, said covenant children were forgiven in Jesus Christ and incorporated into the covenant. In, in that ser great sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, he said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children. The promise that's the covenant promise was given, not to people who are not in the covenant, but to people who were in the covenant. The Apostle Paul continued that. He, said, he showed that children were included in the covenant and promised salvation. Remember Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the promise was to you and your household. That means your children are not, in the famous saying, vipers and diapers. They are the children 
of the covenant by virtue of God's grace and the faith of the parents, they are received as God's. So you must treat them as forgiven children and let them be baptized. This must be your starting presupposition. Not assume that your children are pagans. Don't act with doubts. Now this is very distinct from what is often called presumptive regeneration. There's a huge difference between the presupposition or treating your children as if they're believers and simply presumptive regeneration. What is presumptive regeneration? It's when you demand that God will save your child and say, well, they're baptized, they're going to be okay. It doesn't matter. I don't have to do anything. You know, it's like when the devil told uh, Jesus, jump off the roof of the temple and God will make his, God will have to send his angels to catch you. That's arrogance. That's presumptive. And God hates presumption. You cannot make those demands on God. But you start treating your children, the ones who believe, because they have been brought in. Remember, without your consent, they were, uh, without their, their own consent, they were condemned. And so the Lord is pleased to bring them in the covenant and give the promises to them. But there's something more. God directly addressed children as members of the covenant and keepers of the covenant. He assumed they could keep the terms of the covenant when he gave the covenant law. We just read that. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's what God said. He's assuming that children are able to obey. Don't declare your children as pagans. Now it's true, not people don't always do the same thing. And this is the difference, of course, with uh, our, our Baptist friends. They may not do the baptism, but you talk to them and they will teach their children. They will teach them to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And they should. They just don't baptize them. Which is denying what the Lord has commanded them to do. Now, We've seen that from Abraham to Jesus to Peter to Paul. And then we see God directly including children in the covenant. But how do we know about the sign? What do we know about the sign? Well, believers' children were given the sign of the covenant. Let me show you that in our second point. God marked those children who were incorporated into the body of Christ through their parents' faith with the sign of the covenant. Circumcision in the Old Testament and baptism in the New Testament. Look at the proof. No one really doubts about the Old Testament. The children were marked by the covenant sign. That's abundantly clear. At least the, the boys were. But what about in the New Testament? Well, look at Lydia's family in the Philippian jailer. In uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 14, the Bible says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, and when she and her household, and then when she and her whole household were baptized, it continues from there, the entire household was baptized. Or Acts sixteen thirty three, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. That's you remember the um, Roman uh, jailer, and these were always by themselves young people. 
Apostle Peter said, Acts 2.39, For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord your God will call when they were baptized. Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 16, Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I don't know whether I baptized any other. And then he remembered some others as well. So there were families that were always baptized together. Consider other households that were baptized. Crispus, his household was baptized in Acts 18.8, and Gaius and Stephanus. These were families who were brought into the church of Jesus Christ. And by the way, never was it recorded in the scriptures that someone was baptized when he came of age. It was always the families that were baptized when they, were, when they came in. Now, it doesn't matter if someone says, well, I don't like, I'm not satisfied with my baptism. I want to be baptized again. Well, that's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not whether you are satisfied with it. The question is, do you believe God was satisfied with it? And if he was, then that should be enough. So children were included in the covenant, and then they were given the mark of the covenant. Let me show you something more profound Uh, That was very strong about this. Look at what the Lord says for those children who were not marked with the covenant sign. God pronounced excommunication or death. We're not sure exactly which one. uh, On those children who did not receive the covenant sign and incorporated into the covenant. Genesis 17.14. God said, and the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That person shall be cut off from his people. He just used cut off because that was the picture of circumcision. He God did many plays and words, and just like circumcision was cutting off the foreskin, he said that child is cut off from uh, the, the people because he had broken covenant. And in fact, even more striking was that God was going to kill Moses, the deliverer of God's people, as he was heading to rescue two and a half million people from slavery. Because he did not put the sign of the covenant upon his child. His wife saved him. And just in the nick of time. Well how can we address those who say that some covenant children turn out to be bad. And so we must not give them the covenant sign. Well if that's the argument then nobody really can be baptized at all. Even adults. Right? Because when the ministers say people of God, does he refer to every single person here? Every person that's sitting in, in this building? The answer is no. The church is never the elected ones alone. The church on earth is going to be filled with people who are, some who are not even believers. Think about that. You know, I've often used the illustration of a, of a can of mushrooms The government says it's safe to eat, but every can of mushrooms can have up to six maggots in them. Or or chocolate bars that you might enjoy. Every chocolate bar, good as it is, the government says you can have two rat hairs in each chocolate bar. And it's still edible. But there's still imperfect things within that, uh, within the church. And so it is, the people of God will never be perfect. And some children might turn out to be wicked. But it doesn't mean because some will defy God and reject his promises, whether old or young, that they should necessarily not be included at all in the church of Jesus Christ. The church is going to be 
imperfect. Let's keep in mind that Esau was circumcised as well. And so was Ishmael. And look at what they turned out to be. No one is ever mentioned in such vile terms of God describing Esau and saying, I hate Esau. He was a child of the covenant, given the sign of the covenant at the command of God. And yet God said, I hated him. Let me show you something more too. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2, the Bible says this. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, can a child do that which is good? Some people would say, no, they're pagans. You can only do good. You're only Christians when they stand up before the congregation and profess their faith. Well, God is saying here that they can do good. And he promises to reward them if they honor their fathers and their mothers. Remember, for a work to be good, it must be done from faith. Otherwise, the work is not good. So a child may be able, according to God's own words... He might be able to do good. We must not neglect that. And treat them as if they are uh, pagans. Colossians 3.20 says. Children obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Only Christians can do good. Because for something to be good. It must be done according to the law of God. From glory of Christ. And from faith in Christ. And God is saying. You can do it. And he commands it. So how can we address those who say that children can't be forgiven of their sins. Because young children do not have faith and they cannot repent. And so they must not be baptized. Well we must remember that forgiveness is a gift of God. Forgiveness is not based on what you do. I mean who will die here who doesn't have unconfessed sin in his life. Everyone here will die and have unconfessed sin in his life. Every one of you. You're not saved by your confession. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That all your sins are forgiven. Keeping in mind that you have sinned even in your sleep and you don't even know it. That's how wicked we are. When you sin that way, who can go before God and say, Hey, I'm, I'm perfectly clean by my own confession. So a child is not saved by confession of his sins. A child is saved by grace through faith. Even if he doesn't have faith, his parents do. And just as God condemned parent, children and their parents before they were born, so God can certainly save them by virtue of the faith in their parents if they were to die in infancy. Now in the Old Testament, children receive the promise of forgiveness of sins. So why could they not receive it now? In the New, Te or New Testament Christians, like Old Testament Christians, and, and keep this in mind. If you remember nothing else today, remember this. Because this really forms the foundation of this second point. What's the difference between Old Testament Christians and New Testament Christians? See if you can figure it out. The Bible says the Old Testament Christians, New Testament Christians, they had the same God. 
They have the same gospel. Read um, uh, Luke 24. The Lord says the law, the Psalms, the prophets. They all speak about me. You go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. What do those people have faith in? That whole list, the cloud of witnesses. Look at the beginning of chapter 12. Faith in Jesus Christ. So they had the same gospel. If they had the same gospel, it means they had the same faith. The means by which they received the work of Jesus Christ. Like Abraham looked forward for Christ and rejoiced. And Moses looked forward for that prophet who was greater than he was and trusted in him. So they also had the same faith. And their faith had to be in someone. The object of their faith, Jesus Christ. That's why uh, Isaiah, for example, spoke of he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He wasn't simply speaking to us. He was speaking to people who were there long before. So they had the same Savior. No one is saved without Jesus Christ. It's the only way of salvation. And then we can also show that they were part of the same church. The Apostle Paul in uh, Ephesians 2 and 3 talks about the wall of separation. That the Gentiles were able to come into what? Into the same church. So you see the remarkable thing. Same God, same gospel, same faith, same savior, same church. What about the covenant sign? Can you imagine everything being equal and then suddenly God says, no, you can't have the covenant sign anymore. If someone says, you should not baptize you, your uh, baby because God didn't explicitly command that in the New Testament, you say to them, no, you have to prove that. You don't have to prove a negative. You don't have to prove that God didn't say something. We see what he did. Children were included in the covenant. God was going to kill people who didn't include the children and the children themselves who were not included in the covenant. You have to show the children were removed. So let's come to our third point. Believers' children are distinguished from unbelievers' children. Now God revealed to Abraham the real difference between covenant children and non-covenant children. And God gave a sign to the covenant of the covenant to show that distinction. That God put between covenant children who are in a special place, a privileged place where they're taught of their sins and they're taught of the Savior. And then they're taught to put their trust in Him. And that's why you can rightly teach your children to sing and to pray. Here's the thing. If you believe that children are pagans, you must not teach them to pray. Why? Because there's no prayer without sacrifice. You can only come to God if you're coming through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember what Uzzah did when he tried to touch the ark. To hold it. How God killed him. But because we believe that God has made these promises to our children. We must teach them to pray. We must teach them to worship. We must teach them to put their trust in Jesus Christ. You must be able to let them read the word and to sing. Teach them to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't matter whether they're able to have faith of their own and to express that faith. Teach them to sing. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. 
claim God's promises for them. By the way, these children are also placed where they're not only taught, but those children are also disciplined. Uh, if you were in a Baptist church here, you'd say, hear the children say amen there. No, that's part of it. You're disciplined. That's part of the training that God has for parents, for their children, to raise them in the fear of the Lord. By the way, you want to know what is worse? It's to have the mark of the children, uh, the mark of the covenant put upon children, and then you don't teach them and you don't discipline them. As much as it is wrong not to put the mark of the covenant upon your child, if you are teaching them the sign of the covenant and you're raising them in the fear of the Lord, you're in a better place than one who takes the mark in a superstitious way and does not teach and discipline those children. Take that seriously. Let me show you also something about this. When the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, God offered special protection to believers and their covenant children, and he killed the non-covenant children. The night of the Passover, if a father put the Passover lamb's blood on the door, on the lentil of the door, the children were saved. God did not let these covenant children die. Even wicked Ham, he was on the ark with his father. On account of his being in the covenant, God showing the distinction between all the others who drowned on the outside. Rahab, when she was on the, uh, she helped the spies because of her faith. God helped and protected her family. Zacchaeus, same thing. A wicked man as he was, God protected his family on account of his faith. And similarly, believers and their children are in a special place. You have the full knowledge of what your covenant keeper did for you. And that's what we see in Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So there's a link between uh, the sign of the covenant and circumcision. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised. So there's that unity again. You were as it were locked up in Jesus when he was on the cross. When he was buried and when he rose again. United in him. You can see therefore the change from the covenant sign. After the old sign was no longer appropriate. You couldn't use a bloody sign to picture something that was accomplished. You had to use a non-bloody sign now to picture that which was there. Blood was no longer needed. And the covenant sign was put upon children to show that they are in a spiritually clean place. Now children are now in the covenant family with the blessings of the covenant and the blessings flow to each other. One more passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 14. The words of the Apostle Paul, he says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. And remember the last part, but they are holy. Not in the pure sense, but in the distinguished sense. You're separated. That's what holiness means, separated from the world. They're going to be taught and disciplined, raised in the fear of the Lord. Now, if children were not baptized... It would mean that children 
are now in a worse place in the new covenant than they were in the old covenant. And it would mean that women were now in a better place. So God would have demoted children and included women who can now take the sign of the covenant. Does that make sense? We see an expansion of the kingdom. We see God including the Gentiles more fully into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There's no consistency then for God to suddenly remove that covenant sign and treat children as if they were in a worse place. Children are not treated in a worse way, but in a better way, and they're described as holy seed. God taught covenant children and brought them peace. And that was the promise. You see, this is it, the consistency of the Bible. I'm going to read one more passage, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 begins by calling the people to pull up the stakes, enlarge the tent, make it wider, include more people into the family of God. And God said more would be the children of the barren woman, the Gentiles, than children of the married woman, the Jews. And look at what God says. Isaiah 54, 13, and your children shall be taught by the Lord. That's all these new children who come in. And great shall be the peace of your children. You know, God doesn't cast pearls before swine. The apostle Peter taught this in Acts 2. And that's what the Lord is saying here. I'm including all kinds of people. Red, yellow, black and white. They're going to be part of the family of God. And I will give those children peace as they're brought into the family of God. You talk about distinction. There's an absolute distinction between believers, children, and non-believers, children. And it starts, that's not the only difference, but it starts with them being included in the covenant and marked by the sign of the covenant. But make sure it's more than just the covenant sign, that it's all the marks that children's lives are different. Let's conclude. Covenant children are set apart or sorry, covenant children are part of the covenant family of God. God said so. We see that proved in the Old Testament in the New Testament. And God marked those covenant children by a covenant sign so that they could join the church of Jesus Christ. From Abraham to the Lord Jesus and to his disciples after him, they treated believers' children as being distinct from children of non-believers. So brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, by the way, you know something more. You think of Jesus dealing with that woman who came and pleaded for help for her child. And the Lord says, you're outsiders. And she said, I'll take the crumbs from your table. What is the Lord doing there, including them in the covenant as well? So what can we leave here with? I have three things. First of all, remember what a precious covenant promise God has given to you and your children in baptism. It's rich and deep. But the precious mark came at a great price. And that's where the sermon is not simply instructive. The Lord Jesus had to perfectly obey. So you are credited with his obedience. And he had to suffer and die. And his blood flowed to the ground. So God would be satisfied. You were aptly punished for your sins. His life and death are credited to you. That's what is marked by the covenant promise. When you get this. Let this message comfort you. Let it comfort you and your children. He singled you out for salvation. He didn't have to save anyone. But he singled you out. 
So rejoice in that. Great is the goodness of God. But it doesn't end there. Yes, you have that inclusion in the covenant. Yes, it is a comfort and a blessing to you that you can rejoice. But good knowledge must never end with you. Let it motivate you to serve the Lord in fullness. You are the chosen people of God. As one minister would say, you're not the frozen chosen. You should be the warm, loving, embracing people of God who will welcome more into the family of God to sing the praises of God. That's what you see in Songs of Solomon. That's why you see the bride saying to her sister, come on in, join us in this holy marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then teach your children to, to embrace the terms of the covenant. Let them to embrace Jesus. Let them grab hold of that promise. They need to hear the gospel from you. You need to preach to your children. Let them hear the message. While treating them as God's children... Share the message of Jesus Christ. So when they are of age. When they feel when the Lord works in their heart. They will grab hold of that promise. And say yes. I believe. And what do we look forward to? When Titus will stand up here and say yes. I believe in Jesus Christ. This is the first step. The hard work has now begun. They often say. Pregnancy and delivery. That was the easy part. Now the hard part begins. That's where it begins for all of us. And finally, neither you nor your children can have eternal life without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins. May this day not pass before you call on him and, and ask him to make you his child. That you can receive his blessings. Knowing that without it, you and your children are damned to hell for eternity. Remember this. Don't leave that kind of inheritance for your children. Come to Christ. Raise your children in Christ. That's an inheritance that will last forever.